Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Master of Zilch podcast. With us today is Miguel Connor. He is the host of Aeon Byte Gnostic Radio. And that's one of my favorite podcasts um, dealing with the topic of Gnosticism and learning more about yourself and maybe a little bit more about the truth behind some things. And uh, so, Miguel, without further ado, if you could help our listeners understand who is Miguel Connor, how did he get here, and uh, where can we find you? Well, Miguel Connor is a construct like all of us, <laughs> a, uh, an illusion at the end of the day, but in this meat sack incarnation, I, one of my uh, missions in life is to, I do a podcast called Aeon Byte Gnostic Radio, sometimes just Aeon Byte. And it, uh, the goal is to express ancient and modern Gnostic and Hermetic truth, bring uh, ancient meaning or ancient mysteries to a modern meaning, and uh, use this ancient, uh, yeah, I keep saying ancient, this lost wisdom almost of inner knowing to help audiences today navigate this uh, crazy world and find hopefully find the best uh best uh, version of themselves that's uh and if people are interested just in uh, historical gnosticism and hermeticism and how it manifests throughout culture and history it's also a good podcast for that absolutely um so maybe you could tell us a little bit about your journey because this podcast i want to center it around self-development and um i've dealt with a ton of depression in the past um and it's taken a while to get to where i'm at um and i still have a lot more work to do but um i've dealt with um some of the similar things that you from what i've heard you talking in the past of what you've dealt with so maybe you can tell us a little bit about um your journey and how you got to the point that you're at now because it is a pretty successful podcast i mean is it i don't know <laughs> I, I think i think i think it is i've spoken to people who love it so Oh, okay. Well, good deal. Glad I'm uh, making an effect. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to define success. Uh, I guess that's one of the biggest questions. What is success? Uh, and that uh, defining success, especially through the eyes of others, always brings a lot of pain. Uh, so I'm, that's, but like you, I'm always figuring things out. I honestly haven't, I think in my 50s, I finally found um, the solutions to all the things that have been plaguing me. I've always felt I was born, I was sort of cast in this world, never felt I belonged, always was on the margins, and uh, always felt, uh, yeah, just as an outsider and looking for the bigger questions in life. So I went on this very long quest to find uh, systems and ideas that would work for me. And I found many systems, uh, many avenues from religious to art to music to uh drugs uh, philosophies and uh uh some things none of them really ever stuck it's almost like they were always falling a little too short and for me i guess i am only speaking for myself i found the gnostic philosophy or gnostic thought really answered the questions about uh well i don't know about them yeah the meaning of life uh the nature of evil why we suffer the afterlife and all that good stuff and it just it just worked for me. And then furthermore, 
uh, via Jungian psychology and depth psychology, I really was able to um, to heal a lot of the issues in my my brain or this mess that I call a brain, including um, alcoholism, bipolar, severe uh, rapid cycling, bipolar disorder, and all these other things. And as I don't know if your listeners know, but Jung was very influenced by Gnostic thought. It's a big foundation of his ideas. So it certainly worked for me and uh, things have gotten much better. Or I don't know if they got much better. I think life is about being a human, finding the best version of yourself and experiencing life in its fullness. I agree with Joseph Campbell. And Joseph Campbell was a Jungian who said we're, the meaning of life is irrelevant. We're here to experience life. That's where the, the, the sublime and the wordless gifts come from. But to be human is always going to mean suffering and depression and sadness, just as it's going to be happiness and good times and all that. But I think finding purpose is the most important thing. Wahoo, it's that that old saying that they attributed to Mark Twain. The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Or oh, there's that other cliche. Uh, the meaning of life is to... Uh, to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away and then everything else works out until the next stage. So in a nutshell, that's where I've been. And um, this is where I am, just trying to fulfill my mission on this planet. Well, I mean, not that my opinion necessarily matters, but I think you're doing a fantastic job. I really appreciate your podcast. You have so many interesting guests on uh, talking about things that I think really do matter and uh, can help people in their life. Um, so I guess we could start with um, maybe just give us your take on what the word, the term, and I know this is a very, can, this could be a 24 hour long answer, but um, what is Gnosticism? Yeah, that's a, of course it's a harvest. Like if somebody asks you, what is Buddhism? You can <laughs> yeah. take years, but uh <laughs> I guess you can explain Buddhism or Christianity or Islam in a short, in a short form. Um, Gnosticism basically is an ancient way of inner knowing. I would say that it's probably pre-Christian. It's probably an extension of the ancient Egyptian mysteries. You can include Hermeticism in it, but it basically posits that each of us humans is basically trapped in a false world in a simulation in a place that's not home and within each one of us is a shard of the ultimate god that has been scattered into this universe and our job is to wake up through uh certain ecstatic rituals or this idea that the gnostics had called gnosis from the greek for knowledge which is a special direct mystical experience with higher worlds and uh these uh this gnosis is, and rituals are usually imparted by a messenger of light and those can include hermes trismegistos uh jesus uh some gnostics saw buddha and zoroaster as these sort of uh avatars of the ultimate consciousness and they're meant to wake us up because we're all trapped but we're also in a state of amnesia and uh, we all have the opportunity to wake up to who we truly are, which is a divine being, but also a fully human being, to the Gnostics and the Hermeticists. 
humanity was the great responsibility or great stage because we were not from heaven but we were not totally from earth we were in the middle place so we had a great task of helping others wake up and even restoring the universe and our essence has been hidden or we've been sort of put through this amnesia through these uh beings that the gnostics call the archons uh, headed by another a uh, head archon called the demiurge and these beings were using our essence to feed upon us and really sustain the very universe itself and uh beyond the universe was this ultimate consciousness that had had its power stolen or that its divine essence had fallen into the chaos and usurped by the archons and we are here i like what uh in short if you want a one sentence explanation of gnosticism it's uh god went crazy and became us and now we have to find the sanity or the way back to remember that we were god all along and stop worshiping false gods stop wasting time with material stuff like social media and phones and alcohol and all that and remember our way home because we are part of this eternal supreme mind so in a nutshell that would say that is gnosticism there are other features of it uh, reincarnation uh heavy reliance on the divine feminine principle absolutely the idea that it's a mind it's it really is part of the mind religions that you find in eastern thought that uh, the truth is that everything's an illusion and we are all mind that is just forgotten uh and there's other features about gnosticism that we can discuss if you want but i think that's a good short explanation of what gnosticism is i love it so I didn't put this in the questions that I was going to ask you but um since you touched on the archons uh what is your take on artificial intelligence do you think it's um do you think it is us trying to build out a system for the archons to have more control than they already have in this world It's possible it certainly is very possible I always like to uh look at the myths because nothing new under the sun. Sure. And this has been happening for a long time in the occult world. So, I mean, you look at the myth of Prometheus when he brings fire down, it's called techne, the craft. And the fire, he just didn't bring fire so they would build. I mean, it doesn't mean that they, oh, we're going to build fire and be warm and scratch ourselves and, you know, <laughs> uh walk around with clubs. It meant technology. It meant that divine that inspiration to create and innovate and uh change the world around us so that we could survive against the tyranny of Zeus. And the question is is well, is this good or bad? You know, everything has a double sword. Unfortunately, we live in a world of we still think in linear time, we still think in cause and effect, but these things are a decision we will make. Same with the book of Enoch. What does what do the watchers bring to the humans they bring technology they bring ways to create tools and makeup from women and some say magic was this good or bad well i guess it depends where you are so you see these stories over and over again and even the ancient greeks uh and other uh cultures they were playing with this transhumanism artificial intelligence stuff down in on the earth i mean when the greeks were wearing their armor why do they put nipples on their armor because they were really thinking we are becoming one with our tool we are extending our craft 
into our bodies and you you hear about robotics and all this sort of stuff that the ancients were doing and again was this good or bad i, I can only say it's uh it's a double-edged sword at the end of the day it comes down to our humanity and what's it gonna do i don't think ai will ever be sentient i agree with philip k dick who is another gnostic sage that it probably won't be uh, sentient but I know I have a lot of friends who are doing spells with AI and trying to train it to be magician and all that. And one of my guests, Jason Reza Georgiani, he's convinced that they're already the AI is already working in the psychic world, in the mental world, and we're free, we're overlooking that. We need to raise our vibrations to meet it up there. But at the end of the day, it's uh, it's an extension. It's fire from the gods, and we'll have to figure it out. Yeah, I agree. It, it's a very interesting time to be alive. Um, Always is, yeah. Never, <laughs> there's nothing original. No. Let's, let's put it that way. No, for sure. Um, so why do you think, and I mean, I, I have my own opinions on this, but why do you think that religion, you know, I, I speak to Christians sometimes, and um, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll basically, um, if we get, it actually happened the other day after I was in the gym, and I went and I go in the hot tub sometimes after. It's nice that the gym has that. And uh, I started talking to a couple of guys and they were basically telling me that because I didn't believe that Jesus was my personal savior that I'm going to hell. And uh, and I kind of expressed my take on Jesus that he was probably more of a teacher than a savior. And that uh, he came to awaken us to our own divinity and that's why you have quotes from him like uh i'm paraphrasing but um all of these things that i have done there will be those that come after me that can do all of this and more kind of thing mm -hmm. um uh, the, kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is within you so i mean what why do you think uh in a nutshell i guess why do you think religion tends to stray away from gnosticism uh, because the Gnostics in their various incarnations throughout history, whether it was the, the classical Gnostics, the Christian Gnostics, later on the Manichaeans, Cathars, Sufis, uh, Assassins, uh, all these other things. Gnosticism is like shamanism because it is an ecstatic religion. It is about altered states of mind and voyages outside of normative reality. Uh, so it is kind of a parasitic religion like shamanism is not a religion it's this sort of modality that attaches itself to different same with gnosticism in fact again gnosticism and shamanism are so close uh it's just their difference might just be philosophical view of the world but even then shamans knew that the spirit world was a big dangerous place and you had to be very there were creatures there were things that bump that go bump in the night and they would kill you so <laughs> So Gnosticism really is part of this sort of Egyptian Hellenistic shamanism. But because of that, A, it's uh, it's very anarchist. Uh, the supremacy starts with the individual and not the collective. B, of course, it uh, dares into places that are, for lack of better words, left brain. It deals with magic and prophecy and altered states of mind and really... Uh, stuff that doesn't work if you want a proper society you know if you want the trains to go on time and you want agriculture to be fine for the masses if you want all these buildings uh 
the shamanistic vibe might not be that good. The individual anarchist attitude might not work. So these religions, of course, had to stamp out the Gnostics because that's not the kind of thing that will allow a society to thrive. And I'm not even criticizing modern society. I'm just saying these are choices that were made. Uh, I do believe we can exist in a society that has both. I mean, one thing, too, that uh, I think was a Chris Knoll said, I think is very astute, is that the Gnostics, well, I'm saying the Gnostics really were the ones who uh, smuggle the ancient uh, holistic animistic religions. Uh, when you look at some of the Gnostic goddesses like Sophia and so forth, they're dead ringers for Ashira and Ishtar and these very ancient goddesses in Anna. But for society to thrive are this, again, the society you and I know, Trevor, this left brain society, Mm -hmm. you have to oppress nature. It's like, okay, if we're going to have cities and roads and highways, math and agri, we have to, uh, we have to uh, basically enslave nature, defeat nature. Women are uh, connected to nature. They represent nature. So what happened is that women began to be suppressed. Nature began to be suppressed. The shamanistic vibe, the witch, the witch began to be suppressed. So we could have this proper society for the last two, three, four thousand years. And uh, yeah, I kind of went on a tangent, but that's the reason why the Gnostic vibe just scares people. And of course it scares people because Gnosticism always asks the simple question that uh, the shamans that uh, did the Temple of Delphi from Apollo, the original Hyperborean shamans that came and brought Apollo to Greece, and that is... What does it say in the temple of Delphi? Know thyself. Mm -hmm. And that is the hardest thing anybody's ever going to do. It's easy when somebody gives you 10 commandments or a BuzzFeed list of 20 things that you can be spiritually happy or they offer you happiness, peace, all the stuff that's temporal. That's easy. And if you behave this way, then everybody will be safe and society will grow and the trains will come on time and you'll have your iPhone and all that. But Nobody wants, very few people want the very dangerous task of the shaman to go inward, to go into the spiritual world, to dare places that have never been dared before and experience yourself in your fullness. That's, that's, it's dangerous. I mean, um, there is a place for it, I think, but uh, I understand why people would be, would dislike that. Um, Do you think that if we can kind of harness it and come focus on coming from the heart more so than the head that that can kind of help to integrate it into modern society and and we can have kind of the best of both worlds in a sense well now that i'm thinking about it i don't think so i think we no i think society would have to be destroyed we need something brand new so we can't just add again i'm falling into the trap of linear thinking you know if we just add this or tax that or do you know what i mean it's with the I'm talking when I talk about shamanistic, I'm also talking about alchemy, which the Gnostics were behind, and that's pure transformation. And I don't know if our society could handle it. There is an example in Persian culture where society turned Gnostic for about a generation, and it was a wild, wild place. It was uh, the Mazdakite revolution, 
And it was just like party central and no laws, no boundaries. And everybody was just in their inner voyage. And it was crazy. And guess what? The Persian Empire didn't lose a beat. They were still very, very powerful and wealthy. Eventually, the Mazdakites got thrown off because of the Zoroastrian priesthood, the Orthodox Zoroastrian priesthood. And they were, uh, again, like all Gnostics, they were persecuted, driven away. But what most people don't know is that was a very bad mistake because a lot of the lords, especially in the in the frontier lands who were more connected to the old religions, they got pissed off. And when the Muslims came, they did not support the Persian government. And we know what happened. They got conquered. Right. So it did work out one time. So I could be wrong. Yeah. But it, it does entail a complete transformation of our psyches, our way of living. Uh, again, it's sort of that anarchist attitude where we trust our inner selves to make things better instead of formulas and uh, plans and all that sort of left brain thinking. I think we're kind of moving into that, though, in a, in a sense, I see it where a lot of these institutions are we're starting to see some major chinks in the armor. And uh, I mean, you know, 9-11 was kind of a big opening for a lot of people to start looking at things from a different perspective and then i also think that covid um had a lot of silver linings and one of them being that people cooped up for that time period they started to look into things that they would have never looked into before and then when they started to find out about some of the truth behind covid that made them start to question authority even more so i'm i'm optimistic i i really i mean not to uh, I, I don't want to be like blindly optimistic, but I do see a lot of reasons to believe that we are moving in the right direction in a lot of ways. I think a lot of things are going to have to fail and it might be a little rough along the way, but I'm pretty optimistic for the future. I see a lot of reasons to be uh, hopeful. Yeah, well, we shall see. We shall see. I mean, as yeah. I've said, you only need 10% of the population to tip exactly. the scale. Exactly. We don't need everybody to have 10% of us push back and push back hard yep. yeah change will come so and i see that, that, that time i see that time coming um so uh so what's your take on the afterlife like uh i'm, I'm sure you I'm, I'm sure you're aware of like the idea of a soul review after you die you know um or life review and your soul kind of looks at everything sees where it could have done better designs its next life reincarnation is kind of how the whole thing plays out um university of virginia has its department where it's been studying it and and quantifying data and basically showing a lot of evidence to to point in the direction that reincarnation is in fact kind of how this whole thing plays out what's your take on all that uh yeah i think what's it uh ian stevenson's research yeah it's pretty compelling yeah. the work yeah. he's done it's not perfect but uh i would say obviously the gnostics most of the gnostics probably 90 percent of the sects believed in reincarnation whether they were jewish islamic christian or pagan gnostics they believed in reincarnation they disagreed on the mechanics and uh, i disagree on the mechanics because i'm very agnostic i think obviously death is an illusion uh, who we are continues in different uh, manifestations and incarnations. So I don't know if we go anywhere or we simply we are just flowing as a big recall. 
or as a stage that we're going into. But uh, certainly the ancient Gnostics, again, vibing or riffing off of the ancient Egyptians, believed in this sort of travel across the spheres when you died. And you would meet these archons who were the gatekeepers of the stars. The Egyptians had a similar thing. And you had to give certain magical passwords or talk to them. And they would allow you to the next level, like a game boss or something like that. (laughs) And you would just go, sometimes you would have to fight them. And if you could get all the way to the top, then you would be completely, you might be absorbed into the light. Although the Gnostics seem to talk about a sort of a, a similar idea to the Bodhisattva vow, that if you make it, it's not good enough. We all have to make it. So you have to come down and help others. So that's how it is. And the Gnostics believe in practicing while you were alive. They were very much into, no, no, you don't worship uh Jesus didn't resurrect after he died. He resurrected while he was alive. So we have to resurrect. We have to become Jesus in this life. Even the Gospel of Philip says, you saw Christ, now you must become Christ. So even while we're alive, we're supposed to die, go through the heavens, and then come back and be Christ and then help others. So it's almost like life and death almost becomes meaningless to the Gnostics because you're always... You're always dying and you're always being resurrected. I I always have this kind of interesting theory. When you go to sleep, you probably, there's probably a different version of you that goes through all these adventures. We call them dreams, right? Mm -hmm. Experiences, different scenarios. It's a different world with different logic rules, but it's a, it's another world. It's a mental world, maybe, or an imaginary, imaginal, not imaginary. And then this individual dies and you wake up and you're not the same person when you went to bed by any means. You are a different person. You've just been fooled. There's a lot of big changes that have happened. And this dream you has probably experienced amazing things. That's why Jung is so uh, stresses dream therapy. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is that life and death happens throughout the day and throughout our lives. And it's all one big process of us trying to become Christ-like. Um, I'm actually getting a past life regression from a woman tomorrow. I'm hoping to get her on the podcast too. Um, she, uh, Brian Weiss was her teacher. He wrote a book yeah. called, he's written multiple books. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Cause I, I feel that there are some things that are holding me back and I'm not looking to this to save me by any stretch of the imagination. That's kind of the whole central theme of this podcast is that don't look for any one person or one thing to save you. You have to save yourself. And the best way to do that is by attacking it from multiple angles. So um, I created a, a PowerPoint to kind of steer people in the right direction, um, covering multiple different topics or different ways right. of, of improving your life. And uh, and I, I'm, I make it a point that they're just suggestions. These are the things that I've found um, that work for me. But I do think each of the categories, you can find something in there um, to help. Um, so, uh, could you explain to our listeners what the Nag Hammadi library was? Yeah, up the, the Nag Hammadi library. Well, let's back up. Sure. Before when the Gnostics were wiped out through as a rise of the Orthodox church and later on through the, you know, uh, medieval, governments, uh, Islamic empires, uh, even Asian countries would persecute them and so forth. Very little was left. What we mostly have of the Gnostics, from the ancient Gnostics to the Cathars, is their, <clears throat> what was written about them. 
So uh, that's all we have. And throughout, through history, people were wondering, well, is were these Gnostics real or was this sort of like uh, the victors, you know, get to write history and they can say whatever they want about these Gnostics and other groups because they're, they're not around to defend themselves. Uh, so that was always sort of a big question for centuries, centuries. And uh, there were some Gnostic texts found in the 19th century, the Pista Sophia, the Gospel of Mary, the Book of You, I believe a copy of the Gospel of Thomas, or maybe that was a little later, uh, were found and people were like, okay, this is, now we're starting to try, now we're finding more about the Gnostics. But in 1945, that's when the big hall or the treasure chest was found. Oddly enough, the same day that we dropped a nu two nuclear or atomic bombs for the first time and last time so far. And uh, it basically- it was the same day? Sorry. No, same year. No, not oh, the same okay. day. Same year. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically the 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 story that I lean towards that there was these two brothers that were actually trying to do they were grave robbing in an area of Egypt that had uh, Egyptian dynasty artifacts and whatever and they came into uh, a jar and this jar had I think it's 55 texts and it's a very complicated story there's a lot of uh, intrigue and weirdness happening like I even put out a video the other day that scholars always uh, gloss over that the guy who found it i think muhammad ali I forget his last name but he said that there was a a skeleton with an elongated head and sharp teeth that was laying next to the jar so that makes you wonder he talks about jinn guarding him and all this other stuff who knows maybe he had too much hash that day or maybe <laughs> it's true who knows who knows right <laughs> regardless through a long intrigue and uh buying the texts and getting them out of egypt and blah 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 we found this treasure trove of uh gnostic texts and throughout the years they were translated it, i think it wasn't until 1979 that we got the full english version of what was in them and that sort of that was a huge again an atom bomb but this one a mental atom bomb because suddenly you were like aha this is what the Gnostics were doing. And you compared it to what the church fathers said 2000 years ago. And guess what? The church fathers weren't lying that much. They really right. were recording what the Gnostics were doing. Yeah. The Nag Hammadi added like this huge dimension of uh, practices and beliefs and other things, but it was in line to what the church fathers were doing. But this, this, the Nag Hammadi or the Gnostic gospels has given us so much about how Christianity started or what christian culture was was doing in the second and first century what were some of the other arguments and debates that they were having what were some of the beliefs that we had instead of the you know uh traditional narrative of you know peter and paul get together with the apostles and they spread christianity which of course a complete lie right and it's uh yeah and to be honest we've only just begun i mean there were so many insights that are yet to have been yet to have be gleaned from the Gnostic Gospels about so philosophy, mysticism, and other things. So it's uh, it's exciting. It is very. <clears throat> um, so one thing that I kind of have noticed from reading some of the Gnostic, Gnostic texts is that, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, is that 
it's about self-empowerment. It's about like learning the truths and using those to your advantage, not, not to conquer over other people, but to conquer yourself. And then you wouldn't have that reliance on any type of like religious structure and more so you're turning inward and finding that kingdom of heaven within you. Um, Gospel of Thomas, for example, I mean, I, I brought this up to people, to Christians in the past, and I said, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these are all third-hand accounts of Jesus. They're stories that they tell, and I'm not saying that they're wrong, but you have something like the Gospel of Thomas written in third-century Greek, and it's where he sat Thomas down and said, hey, write this stuff down. I, I want you to write this down, and to me, you can either take four Gospels that were translated however many times, went through the Council of Nicaea, are third-hand accounts, stories about Jesus versus him having a guy sit down and write it, and this is coming from third century Greek. It's, to me, what I see it partly is it's, it takes away control from the, from the power structure, but it also puts responsibility on the individual, and most people are not ready for that type of responsibility. No, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's very simple. Uh, know thyself. Yep. I can't even, I think that turns people off because I just say, know thyself. I mean, and they're like, well, how do I do that? I don't know. You're you. You figure <laughs> You have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't do it. As soon as you want me to do it for you, you're allowing the archons to come into the picture. Exactly. You have the ability. You have the power. You have the journey and you have to do all the experiments and failures and disappointments and breakthroughs. And all that, yeah, people are around to help you. Uh, uh, you, uh, what do you. You have teachers and so forth that will that are on the way, but ultimately they're just sort of guideposts, signposts that you have to take this journey. I mean, even in the Gospel of Thomas, it's obvious what it is because he says, these are the words of Didymos Thomas. And uh, you go, Didymos Thomas. Thomas in Aramaic means twin. Didymos means twin in Greek. So you're wondering, is this really Thomas and Jesus, or it's like two versions of the same person, the higher and the lower self, having a conversation? And he, Jesus even says, if you drink from my mouth, you will gain all the mysteries and you will not taste death. If you figure out these sayings, you will not taste death. You will become like me. Uh, and it, over and over saying, saying, if you do not know yourself, you dwell in poverty and you are the poverty or if you do not bring what is with if you bring forth what is within you it will save you if you do not bring it it will destroy you i mean just right. over and over it's telling you the same thing now again i don't think gnosticism is uh it's been accused of being narcissistic uh but it's not a do it yourself you still need the teachings of these uh higher beings you need others to help you out bounce things off work things through the Gnostics always worked in little communities or lodges where they would do these rituals and have these sort of, you know, before modern times, they would have these little sit downs and talk about their emotions and their state of being. Yeah. You know, they were doing they were doing group support 2000 years ago. It was very yeah. important. To them. And uh, but at the end of the day, you are responsible. You have to figure it out. And uh, nobody else is going to. That's what Jung said. Uh, you are your own savior. Nobody's coming to save you. This is your path. And Absolutely. again, it's very hard for people. Most of my life, I wanted somebody to guide me. Me too. Out of laziness more than anything or out yeah. of wanting to fit in or whatever it is. But yeah, I didn't want to feel the pain. 
I didn't want to look into myself and see all the the archons that were there. <laughs> and it's self-doubt too, you know, it's like, it yeah. seems like such a daunting task that you just, you doubt yourself from the beginning. Um, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't want to put in a plug. Uh, I went to a men's group on Saturday night. I know you, are you still in Chicago? Yeah, um, North of Chicago, McHenry. North of Chicago. Um, I grew up two hours west of Chicago, actually, on a farm. Um, but uh, yeah, it would be, if you said you were looking for places to move, I'm telling you, down here in uh, like the Tampa St. Pete area, I love it down here. And we actually just had a men's group on Saturday night. The reason I brought this up is you talked about the arc or the, uh, the archons, the Gnostics um, sitting around talking about their emotions and working through stuff. And that's kind of what this men's group is about. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. It was our first one. There was at least like a dozen of us there, but it's, it's a lot of people that are kind of on this similar path of learning and learning more about yourself, knowing thyself. And it's, it's encouraging super encouraging yeah. and the ages ranged from early 20s to i think the one guy was in his 70s so it's pretty cool um good deal yeah um so i had a couple more did you do you, you got to get going no no i got a little more time okay cool tampa bay yeah tampa bay yeah i live in tampa um but that group is in st pete and my goal is to move to St. Pete next year. Hopefully, be able to buy a house. It's not cheap down there, but that's the goal. Um, okay. Yeah, I, it's a really it's it's a pretty rich spiritual community down here. Um, you know, a lot of different stuff going on, but um, people working on this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Putting in yeah. the work, kind of. Um, so we did touch on the gospel of Thomas. That was another one of my questions. And I, I really, I, I really resonate with the gospel of Thomas and I, I need to read it more. I've been focusing a lot on the Tao Te Ching. Um, are you familiar with the Tao? Yeah. Yeah. I do the, I do the Oracle every day. I'm working one of my, one of my goals. Once I get over this Elvis book, I'm writing mm -hmm. greatest Gnostic ever as I'll make the case. Nice. Uh, I want to, the Taoism and Gnosticism are very, I mean, very connected. I mean, obviously, I've done a lot of shows and many scholars have talked about how Gnosticism and Buddhism are their cousins, basically. Sure. But uh, Taoism is the other one. And of course, you start seeing Taoism and duality of light and darkness, how the, the, the lines are just the code that makes the universe together. So there's a lot of similarities. But yeah, I do like Taoism. That's my next goal. Um, I, I highly recommend it to everyone. Uh, I'm going to start making it a part of this podcast that maybe when I kind of go on little monologues, I'll talk a little bit about my experience with the Tao, but I really do believe that it's, it's cause it's so simple. It's, it's not easy, but it's simple. And that simplicity, when you just surrender to it, it, it opens up so many doors and, and it, it can be more of like the foundation so that when you go into other things by having that basis, that foundation of Taoism, where you realize that um, that feminine energy permeates everything. And then when you can come from that place of love and compassion for everyone and studying these 81 verses, I think helps out a lot with that, that um, it just opens the doors. Like it, it's by having that integration, that, that, um, that more of that harmony between the head and the heart. It like, they, they synergistically work together, you know? 
Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much agreed. It's good stuff. And um, of course, it's very anarchist and counterculture and transgressive. Oh, yeah. And and he and he makes the case in it. And and I was I've been listening to um, uh, Wayne Dyer's um, dissertation on it. Uh, it's called "Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life," and I like a lot of what he says about it. And he kind of claim makes the claim that as more people turn to Taoism, it 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 will naturally melt away the need for um, the structure, kind of the 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 control, essentially. And that yeah. as more and more people embody the Tao and rise into positions of leadership, that basically it will provide provide this natural transition into a peaceful anarchy, you know, where things just tend to work more in harmony and you don't have to have people telling people what to do. I'm not saying there's no structure at all, but it's not this set structure that government kind of provides. It's more of like a volunteerism that happens more spontaneously and people tend to want to do things when you're not forcing them to do them you know yeah i mean the thing that worries me is that i think we tried it already with uh, silicon valley embracing ayahuasca and eastern traditions and i don't think it worked it obviously didn't work out it made the world worse in many ways there's meet the new boss the old boss we steve jobs is a perfect example you know he's just a he really was a psychopath uh right the most vicious capitalists you could think of and he was all about oh eastern thoughts so i don't know about that i think the problem is the hierarchy problem we need to get totally ready. well exactly and that's what i i guess what i'm suggesting i think that a lot of that silicon valley stuff was kind of about kind of a bastardization of yeah. this and i i wouldn't be surprised if there was intelligence agency uh you know the intelligence community had their oh, yeah. hands in it um so uh well before before we end it I, i'd like you to explain a little bit about the virtual alexandria academy and um your website the god above god and um because i, I do think that it can provide I, I haven't had a chance to do it yet but i it's definitely on my list of things to do that virtual alexandria academy because i like the fact that because narcissism can be such a daunting um subject to study and I think that by providing that structure, it helps people to kind of create that foundation to work from. So if you want to explain a little bit about what that is. Yeah, it's just some, um, you might say, uh, courses and lessons on Gnosticism. And of course, I start out with why Gnosticism is relevant today. And then I break it into the different uh, traditions, different figures like Sophia, Mary Magdalene, um, Simon Megas. I have a lesson on like we were just talking about the difference between the Gnostic Jesus and the Jesus, the mainstream Jesus. And it, mm -hmm. it's just a, it's a good, the feedback's been great. People really, really dig it. And uh, you can listen at your own time. There's uh, materials to download. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. And I continue every few months. I add courses. I think uh, in July, I'll probably add a course on the Archons an introduction course on the Archons and uh so people can sort of, uh, yeah, get their mind to it because, yeah, like anything, you can learn it, but there's that point when it really gets under your skin and you just, ah, now I get it. Now it's yeah. becoming effortless. That's the that's the fun. And, yeah, you find that at my website, thegodabovegod.com. And there I have the course. I have uh, books, uh, the podcast, obviously. If download, I have videos, downloadable materials, a uh, whole bunch of stuff if you want to really uh, – approach Gnostic thought 
Absolutely. Um, one last thing then, I'd like to hear your take on Mary Magdalene because the idea that she was a prostitute that Jesus found and saved, I mean, I've, I like to kind of play with the concepts in my mind um, based on what I hear from your podcast and what I read. Um, and uh, I, I almost sometimes wonder if she wasn't, it's not that Jesus found her, maybe she was kind of doing her own thing and who knows, might even been more advanced than him. And we're just getting the information that they're, that got filtered down. So what's your, what's your take on Mary Magdalene? Yeah, it's possible. I think from the Gnostic perspective, uh, she was, as Jesus says, the woman who knew the all or understood absolutely. She was the one human who really woke up and she became his primary disciple. Now, whether they were there was something else, uh, that's kind of, uh, there seems to be evidence, but there's also evidence that they were just simply a uh, master student. Um, and she therefore had a movement, she had a community, she has her gospel, the gospel of Mary, but over and over in many of these Gnostic texts, she's the one who's always by Jesus' side, mm -hmm. learning and instructing others, very important figure. And sometimes she's hated by the other apostles like Peter, and Andrew and others because she dared. She was a woman and she was so, she really had a perfect view of the higher worlds and was able to uh, translate it. Now, however, in the Gnostic cosmology, there's a rebellion in a lot of their stories. Uh, there, once the mind of God starts to learn about itself, very much like you have in Buddhist and Hindu thought where Shiva, you know, wakes up and he needs uh, uh, Shatki or Prakriti to sort of, who am I? And she answers. They're, they're the same person, but they're like Thomas and Jesus. There has to be a dialogue or else how can you understand yourself? Right. And uh, there's this same thing in the Gnostics. And the mind of God begins to spread and differentiate itself. And it creates these beings called aeons, which are the capacities of the mind of God understanding itself. And in a lot of their texts, there's one aeon called Sophia, the wisdom. She, she is the wisdom of God. And she rebels and falls into the world, into chaos. And it's her fault, her because of her transgression, she gives birth to matter. She gives birth to the archons and they take over, they steal her power. And suddenly there's this battle between Sophia and the archons to restore the universe. Now, in a lot of these stories, Jesus has descends to, I guess, rescue her. Although you could say he's descending to become complete because when she rebelled, God lost his wisdom. Remember, God went crazy and became us. So Jesus is the logos, the reason of God. Sophia is the wisdom of God and God to be whole of the supreme consciousness needs these two forces to become whole again. And this is nothing new. Because again, as I said, when you go into ancient times, there's always this story of like uh, the goddess Kybel. She rebels against heaven. She used to be a man and she castrates herself in heaven and falls as a woman. You have these stories of like Inanna or, uh, or uh, even Isis or the Shekinah of God, this female being that comes down into earth and is cast and it's lost. And we must help her either in the underworld or in this world to restore it to her place. So the Gnostics were simply 
taking this vibe from ancient Israel and Egypt and saying, okay, we're going to call her Sophia. So it's not an uncommon story about, uh, well, it's a great tale, right? What does the book of Enoch says? Uh, men rejected wisdom and she had went up to the clouds because <laughs> we humans have rejected wisdom for thousands of years. And that's the great allegory of what we must find. We must find Sophia. We must find wisdom and we must restore we got the reason part pretty good, but the yeah. wisdom part, we're not doing very well. So yeah. to the Gnostics, the story of Jesus and Sophia is very much the story of um, of, Sophia, of Mary Magdalene and Jesus is the story of Sophia and Christ, but it's happening down in this world. And the, the Gnostics would even say that, like, if you notice Jesus, you'll notice that as, as he's going he's really mean to women at first in the, especially in the Bible, right? He's mean to his mom at the wedding of Cana. He's, he's really nasty to that, uh, to the Samaritan woman. No, I forgot she was Samaritan, but he calls her a dog and a pagan. But as he goes through the gospels, you go, he gets nicer and nicer to women. Yeah. And at the end he's crying to his mother. He appears to Mary Magdalene and he's the last one that she sees. So you, they would say, well, even Jesus, when he came down to earth, forgot everything. And it's Sophia's manifestations that help him wake up so he can finish his project. So then Gnostics saw all this cool stuff that most other Christians need with Sophia and Jesus. No, man, it's it's sad because there's so much more in the Gnostics, in, in the in Gnosticism than there is in, in kind of the watered down version. Um, uh, so last thing I'd, I'd like to just see what your take is on it. But um, my previous guest, the one right before you, her name is Anna Eden, and she teaches about like sacred uh, sexuality. And um, I kind of tend, I mean, I like to think that Jesus and Mary Magdalene had like a union. And I've heard of accounts, um, haven't experienced it yet, but that's a goal is of like and you actually had a guest on um she wasn't i'm trying to remember her name she's like eastern european and she yeah, uh, Joanna Cuyava. yeah. that's the one um and kind of had that spontaneous moment of ecstasy and kind of almost like it was interdimensional and yeah. uh and I, I i like to think that jesus and mary kind of experienced some of that and that's where they brought some of that back in order to spread the teachings Oh, for sure. I mean, one of the accusations the Gnostics got was uh, some of them in Egypt, Alexander would practice sex, sex magic. And that was just, again, that's the Egyptians practice sex magic. The Gnostics were just continuing it. So you likely had that with Mary and Jesus or probably even more. You had it with uh, the other Gnostic uh, champion, Simon Magus and Helen. Those were the other two. And they were... Yep. Their, their followers, yeah, they were more, you know, rock and roll. Right. Part. Let's do the orgies. But it was all, again, for the idea of altered states of mind and rising through their bodies. The Gnostics were like, we'll do anything as long as we can get that Gnosis. It doesn't, you know, yeah. we'll... Some Gnostics were like, no, nah, I think I'm just going to do ceremonial magic. Some Gnostics were like, nah, I'm just going to meditate. Some were about entheogen. Some in France would do entheogen. So... Again, it was like, find out what works for you and just yeah. go for it. Some with well, sex magic. And I mean, it would make sense, and it makes sense to me, that, you know, religion kind of almost vilifies sex. It tries to. 
you should only do it to procreate all of that kind of thing and it would make sense that part of the reason that they're doing that is because they know that the power that can come from a, a more sacred union and not just an animalistic kind of thing going on um that you know it's all all about keeping us from having that self-empowerment you know yeah, don't want to let that kundalini out the serpent no, the gnostics no. saw the serpent as a great uh, wisdom figure yeah absolutely well um i won't take up any more of your time right now miguel um i really sincerely sincerely appreciate you coming on the show I, I it's an honor because i've been listening to you for years now i think i mentioned to you a couple of years ago when i first appeared on um sam tripoli's uh, spirituality podcast zero and i asked you to come on and you said sure and it's been been a couple of years i had some more journey to go through to get to this point where i was ready to do this but i'm glad that you were um willing to come on and i would love 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 to have you on you know as many more times as many more times as you want to come on because there's there's so much that we could talk about sure sure yeah it's always fun spreading this heresy absolutely um uh oh the one last thing you're a i mentioned this to you before i think i sent you your chart but your human design you are a three five which the three um so your profile that's your life's costume so your profile is a three five and so the three is the experimenter um, so you try different things and you learn from your experiences. Um, and I, obviously everyone does, but that's a signature part of, a, of being a three, five. That's your conscious side, your unconscious oh. side, your unconscious side is the five, which is the heretic, which makes a lot, a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm yeah, a, it does make sense. I'm a five, two. Uh, so my conscious side is the, is the heretic. So it would explain why we're talking to sitting here talking about heresy. There you go. There you yeah. go. Very yeah. cool. Love it yeah um well thanks again um tell us one more time where they can find you yeah just uh, type in the god above god.com or am or just on your search search bar do am bite a e o n uh bite b y t e don't ask me how i came out with that name um yeah and uh yeah it'll be there so uh whether you're on youtube or whatever browser you're using and again you'll go into my website that has all the stuff well i appreciate it and uh we'll we will talk again all right thanks for having me on enjoyed it thank you and thank you listeners for joining us <laughs>